You're listening to episode 154 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today's topic is Rail Ministries with Liam Johnston. You're listening to Christian Travelers Network, the podcast and platform where travel stories, community, and scripture combine. Hi, Christian Travelers. I'm so glad that you are here. Many of you know now that there are ministries at many airports, but did you know that there are ministries that help with train travel too? Liam is here to talk a little bit about that, but before I dive into that, I want to once again point you to our website, christiantravelers.net. There you'll find other faith and travel resources, and we are so close to launching our online platform that will allow you to connect with other Christian travelers around the world, share your faith stories, and plan trips together and do some online Bible studies too. So if you're looking for a way to connect with other Christians, head to our website, sign up for our email list, and you'll get more information that way. But without further ado, Liam Johnston is the CEO of Rail Mission, a faith-based charity offering pastoral care to the railway community. His team is strategically based across the mainland UK rail network, allowing them to assist the chaplain staff. Hey, Liam, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Great. Uh, So Liam, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with Railway Mission? Yeah, of course I can. Um, I I got involved with Railway Mission almost by accident. Um, Way back when I was very young, back back when I was 18, I, I lived in a village called Hipswell Village, and I was on the church council there and we were celebrating the 600th anniversary of the death of a man called John Wycliffe who had lived um, you know 600 years before and had translated the Bible into English he was the first person to translate what was the Latin Vulgate into the common uh, language uh, of the day and he was born in Hipswell and so it was right that we celebrated that and i was put in charge of organizing a year-long event um so every month we had a a different event uh, and i was in charge of organizing that while doing that i felt called into uh, some kind of full-time ministry and i went to see the uh, the vicar because it was a church of england an anglican church and i spoke to the the vicar and said that i really believe that god was calling me into ministry and he said no no mm. you can't you're too thick mm. and the reason he said that was because i'm dyslexic and in his head if you were dyslexic you weren't clever enough to do anything you were you know you you were no good you couldn't become uh you know a minister at all so i parked the idea but i prayed you know god if this is really you then i would like you to send me to the place that john wickliffe had done his his work uh the work of translating the bible and where he ultimately died and that was a place called lutterworth in leicestershire and Many years later, um, I was working uh, as a a manager with Tesco's and I really didn't like Tesco's because Tesco's, um, you know, you've heard the saying, 
that somebody wants, you know, their pound of flesh. Well, Tesco's were metric, so they wanted a kilo. And it, it wasn't great. It, was, well, it wasn't was a wonderful place to work at all. And my wife said to me, well, you've always wanted to go to theological college and do a degree. Why don't you? And I said, well, I'm too thick. And she said, you can't be too thick. You're a manager with Tesco's. I hadn't really thought of it that way. So I went to see um, uh, the, the, the college and I had an interview because of not having the academic background and qualifications to go and do a degree. Um, I needed to go and see them and as a mature student have an interview. And they said to me, you know, you can come, but, you know, you have to um, be mindful that it's very pressurised. There's deadlines and we're not sure you'll manage with the stress of doing a degree and I said well let me come for a year if I don't manage the first year then I'll just go back to Tesco's because I've been told by one of the directors that wherever I was in the country I could go back and work for Tesco's there was there would always be a job for me so I went with confidence that if it didn't work out I was still going to be okay the reality was, is that three years of doing a degree was like being on holiday, despite having three children and then halfway through having a fourth. Um, despite having all those pressures of family and what have you and not being able to to work a full time job to buy the things that we were used to having. The reality was it was it was easy. It was a do it was a doddle. Um, and I. I confess I didn't work hard enough and I came out of uh, doing the degree with uh, only a 2-2 a um, uh, so I should have done better than that but I just didn't put the effort in so, so I apologize to my lecturers for that. <laughs> Moving forward um, I didn't have a job to go to at the end of my degree and I'd, I'd came out with the, a degree from Sheffield University, which is a, a very good university. I had the diploma in Christian ministry from the theological college. And either the places that I applied to didn't want us because we didn't fit with them, or they did want us, but there was no way I would take my children to that environment because it would, was, was too... You know, the area was too rough or you know, was something there was something wrong that I didn't want to put my my kids uh, through through that sort of system. Mm. Um, then one day I had a, a, a knock on the door and it was two of the students from the theological college and they had come with a note from the bursar's office saying that a church had been in touch and they were looking for a pastor. Uh, the church had been in touch before, but unfortunately, the college had lost their information and hadn't put anyone through to apply for the role. And the, uh, the only person that came to mind at that moment in time was myself. And would I like to apply? And I looked at the note and it said that it was a church in a little town in Leicestershire called Lutterworth. And so, you know, I actually turned to my wife and said, I've got a job. And she said, no, you've got a bit of paper. Um, but I was confident that this was an answer to the call and to the prayer that God had laid on my heart all those years earlier. Mm. Um, so I ended up working with the church. The church couldn't afford to pay a full salary. 
Mm. And I'd been praying about what to do. And I'd received a letter from an organization called Christian Vocations. And they'd said that there was a job um, that was available for a chaplain for the West Midlands based in Birmingham. And in my head, I was thinking, well, I'm, I'm not interested in trains. Um, Lutterworth is in the East Midlands, not the West Midlands. So nothing fitted. And I just put the letter in for recycling and kind of forgot about it and just went back to praying, Lord, you've, you've given me this job at this church. So please, you know, I've, I need the money to go. And I just kept getting a sense of God saying, I've given you a job. You need to go and apply for it. Mm. so I got the letter back out of the waste recycling and it was the day before the deadline of having the application forms in and this is this is going back to 2000 so you had to contact them get them send you an application form fill it out by hand post it back to them there was no way that was going to happen in one day so I managed to get a hold of um, the number which is a miracle in itself because uh, Christian vocations weren't supposed to give it to me and um, and I phoned the office and my predecessor in this role Phil was in the office uh, which also was a miracle because he was hardly ever in the office and he's we had a chat and he said I'll send you the application form bring it with you and we'll interview you mm. and I turned up for an interview with my application form and uh, I, I ended up getting the job um, and, and ended up working as a chaplain for the West Midlands. And then a couple of years later, Phil stepped down and I applied to become the, the executive director for the mission. And uh, so that's, that's now the role that I have. I'm no longer in the church. Uh, that's another story. Um, but, um, you know, God really had his hand on me and moved everything together in the right direction and the one of the amazing things was was that uh, we 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 bought the house on the strength of we're sure we'll be able to find some money somewhere to pay the mortgage and the money for the railway mission came in off my first month's salary on the day that the mortgage payment went out and that matched the mortgage payment so the church provided enough money for us to live on and railway mission provided enough money to pay for the house that we've now bought because uh, we hadn't been able to find anywhere to rent um, so god really worked everything together to bring me to this point of working with with railway mission wow uh, really sounds like yeah he did he lined a lot of things up so thank you for sharing that story welcome yeah um, so you mentioned that originally you didn't have an interest in trains or railway um, mission at first, but your heart changed and clearly now as executive, you're very passionate about it. So can you tell us a little bit more about what railway mission does and what got you excited about the ministry? Yeah, well, um, I mean, first of all, it's, it's not the ministry that I'm not passionate about or wasn't passionate about. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I wasn't passionate about trains and I'm still, despite my family joking about me being a train spotter, um, because we actually do have a calendar each year with a, a, a gospel message and Bible verses for each month, um, mm. which 
unfortunately due to covid we've not been able to to produce so many we've only been able to produce about 3000 uh, for the last couple of years but prior to covid we were printing 55000 calendars a year and distributing them free of charge around the rail network mm. you know by hand yeah. you know so so quite an undertaking and of course we need photos so i take photos of trains so my family joke about me being a train spotter <laughs> but the reality is i'm a people enthusiast not a train enthusiast mm. i love people i like talking to people i like meeting people where they're at and being able to share a little bit of their their journey with them and our strap line in railway mission is support on life's journey mm. and we're there to support everyone regardless of their faith regardless of their background regardless of their sexuality regardless of their position in the company we're there to support people because if we can support people on life's journey then we take them that one step closer to coming to know christ as savior mm. and there's an old saying and you've probably heard it before you know people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and that's what railway mission does railway mission shows people how much we care and then they open up their hearts are opened to the gospel and they'll say you know why do you do this what drives you to do this mm. if somebody asks you that without having that understanding that you care then usually they're asking it because they're looking for something to attack you with and have a go at you with but when they know you care they're open to listen and open to accept that that christ lives in us yes um so how did railway mission actually get started Ooh, well you remember me i told you it was a long story <laughs> well, this one goes back to 1881 so back in the victorian the evangelical movement of the victorian age in 1881 what was happening was christians around the railway were getting together to pray pray for their their colleagues to pray for the passengers to pray for the management to pray for their towns and this movement was was quite phenomenal and over time it kind of like all these little groups began to realize that there was something greater going on and so railway mission was formed out of that evangelical desire to reach people with the gospel and the original strap line for railway mission was christ for railwaymen and railwaymen for christ of course now these days with um you know with with the diverse workforce you can't use that strap line because we've got men and women working in the railways but in those days it was it was pretty well just men um apart from the main offices where you might have had a secretary um, but even then quite often the secretaries were men as well um but it was that desire of the victorians to see people's lives changed and what what's what's uh, amazing is you know when you look at and i'm going to mention some engineering works here that you'll have probably never heard of the seven tunnel which is a, a massive railway tunnel that goes under the seven river when that was built the first thing that was built was a chapel 
before they started anything else the first thing they did was build a chapel king's cross and this predates railway mission but king's cross again the first thing they did was build a chapel and the reason for doing that was because the railway bosses one they were christians themselves quite often quite often um they would be um you know either um uh, quakers or methodists or anglicans or whatever it was a broad broad church to use a one of a better phrase but what they would do is they would recognize that if they've got a healthy christian workforce you don't have the problems with alcohol you don't have the problems with debt and gambling you don't have the problems with family and ill health you've got a thriving healthy workforce that that, that is much much better for society all round so the first thing they would do is is build a chapel and railway mission as an organization began to be given land and buildings and churches and all over the country there were little tin tabernacles as they were called some were some were actually stone and brick um, but they were all referred to as tin tabernacles because the majority of them were made out of tin and they were built to accommodate this christian movement now the railways have changed over the years and railway mission has adapted and changed and we no longer have the mission halls although many of the old halls still exist or are independent churches or have joined other denominations but railway mission morphed into what we have now which is a chaplaincy service to the rail industry but still with that same drive of reaching people for christ with the love of god as our, our primary focus but what we do is meet people where they're at and bring into the industry something that is of value to the industry that allows the doors for the gospel to be open and that support is pastoral care and that's what we do we become the primary um, supporter pastoral supporter for major incidents or or fatalities etc on the railway of which we have about one every 30 hours or so on the on the uk rail network usually suicide but all those people that are affected by that we support those whether they are uh, the police or the network rail staff or the train operating staff we're there to support all of them and the industry values what we do and they value the care and support that we bring that's amazing and um uh sad that that statistic is so high but also um, amazing just to hear how um, it started as uh, just people praying over a railroad and moving all the way to the present. So, yeah. Um, do you know if there are other rail ministries in other countries or is this something kind of unique to your area? Well, actually, um, railway mission um, is just one of of many uh, we are kind of unique in the sense that uh, the way we operate and how we are embedded within the companies um, but there are others so in america for example you have the um the the uh, what they now call rail hope america uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be called the evangelistic railroad, the Railroad Evangelistic Association of America. So there are organizations uh, all around the world, you know, um, Finland to New Zealand, um, North America to, you know, to, you know, the latest, uh, one of the latest countries that has, has kind of come on board is uh, Tanzania, you know, mm. so, so there are, there are associate members all over the world. And there are also, there are also proper full members of which there are about uh, a dozen or so um, uh, full, full members. That's amazing. Um, and so are they all connected to railway mission or is there like an, um, I guess if someone was trying to find a railway ministry near them, um, is there some organization they could go to find a list? Yes. So we have a website, which uh, I'm afraid is not a brilliant website. I apologize. I built it. Um, it's called railhope.net. Mm-hmm. And the reason we, we obviously have Rail Hope is because we want to bring hope to railway people. And it's not just the railway staff, but it's also to the passengers. And it's also to other transport organisations as well, where they fit in as well. Um, but what we want to do is just, just build a network of Christians around the world who want and have a desire to pray for the transport industries of their their country or beyond their country you know whether it is you know the continent or indeed the world you know we want people to be praying for one another and reaching out with the gospel and in some countries that's not always easy and in some Mm -hmm. places it's not always allowed um so you know we want to support the christians who work on the railway um, to be able to share their faith and encourage them and give them the resources and tools. Like I mentioned, our calendar, the International Railway Mission also has a calendar, um, mm. which which is in different languages um, that, that goes out to people as well. But um, in the UK, we use our own simply due to the scale um, that, that, that we produce. Yeah. Um, but but we, we produce resources for uh, for individuals to be able to use on their day-to-day work um, life, as it were. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so nearing the end of our podcast, uh, do you have any other faith and travel to tips for Christian travelers, uh, whether it's on the train or just in life in general? Um, yeah, I would I'd say there's a number of things. Um, First of all, as a Christian traveller, you're carrying with you the presence of God into places that perhaps aren't reached. To give you a little story, um, I was having a barbecue with friends from Zimbabwe. Um, and They call a barbecue there in Zimbabwe, they call it a braai. So we were having a braai. And one of them said to me, what do you do for a living? And it's very difficult to explain to people who don't understand the language what a chaplain is. So I said, I'm a missionary. And he went, oh, to what country? And I said, this one. And he said, no, 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 no. He says, I'm from Africa. 
I know what missionaries are. They're the people that go to the dark places of the world. And I said to him, you know, have you been to Birmingham lately? You know, the reality is, is that there are dark places everywhere in the world. It doesn't matter what your country is. If people don't know Christ, they're in darkness. And as a missionary and railway mission, the clue is in the title. We are a mission and we go to the dark places. And those dark places might be where people are well paid. They might be where people have got good and secure jobs. They might be places where people are confident in the future. But the reality is, is that without Christ, they are in darkness. And that's what we're there to do. We're there to reach people with the gospel. So for him, a missionary was something you do out there, away from here. But actually, mission starts at home. Hmm. Mission starts here. And so as your listeners go out on the railway or on an aeroplane or on a bus or on a boat, they carry the presence of Christ with them and they carry that presence into the darkness of other people's lives. And as they pass people, if they can just talk to people as they go through the gate lines or the barriers or as they're talking to the stewards and just talk to people and share with people, smile at someone show somebody that somebody actually cares for them you're you're doing church you're doing what god has called us to do we're taking a glass of water to somebody who's thirsty we're helping people in their time of need they might not look like they're in need but without christ they're lost mm. So as they go out, they reach people with their smiles. They reach people with their words, with their actions. And another thing I would say is as you go out onto the rail networks or the airports or look for those places, you know, like the, you know, at an airport, they might have a prayer room. Mm -hmm. Use it. And the reason I say use it is because if you don't use it, you lose it. There are so many places that are prayer rooms that have kind of been taken over by other faiths. You know, a friend of mine worked for a company uh, in a big warehouse and they said, right, we've changed the contracts. You now have to work Sundays. And he said, but as a Christian, Easter Sunday is important to me. And they said, well, it doesn't matter. You can still come. You still have to come in. And so he said, well, in that case, if I come in, I want to at least have half an hour to be able to use the multi-faith room. And he was told no, because you'll upset another particular faith group, which will remain nameless. But I'm quite sure a lot of your guests or a lot of your listeners will understand what I'm saying. Mm. If you don't use these facilities, we lose them. You know, and I remember years ago, one of the rail staff asking management if they could have an office 
for the Christians network on the railway uh, for that company to be able to pray. And the response of the manager was, Christians don't pray. That, for me, is heartbreaking. The view that Christians don't pray is terrible. There are multi-faith rooms, there are quiet spaces, there are reflective spaces in major cities and towns across the world. And what Christians should be doing is using those spaces in order that they can pray for their journey, they can pray for their loved ones, they can pray for the people that they meet. But ultimately, they can be a witness to those who don't yet know Christ as Saviour, that Christianity is a force to be reckoned with. Mm. Amen. And that's that's so true. Um, I like that point. We need to use it so that we don't lose it. And um, so that we can be a witness and example onto others. Um, Liam, as we wrap things up, my uh, one of the questions I always ask our guests is what has been the biggest God moment in all of your travels? That's a really, really difficult question to answer. Hmm. I think, I think for me, it was receiving a phone call from um, one of my one of my chaplains, um, and he phoned me and said, um, you know, he was with a, a, another uh, another person um, who was in hospital after having suffered from a heart attack. Um, or suspected heart attack and he phoned me and said um, oh I've, I've I've got him on the phone here do you have a word and I picked up the phone how are you he says oh he says, I'm great he says I've just asked Christ into my heart mm. yeah and what what really made that special was for a long time I had spoken to him and I talked to him about faith and I challenged him so many times and he challenged me as well. And he had this moment where suddenly he'd had this, this episode. It turned out it wasn't a heart attack, but it turned out that we had this episode that made him think, actually, if I do die, where do I go? Mm. And when I'd got the message that he was in hospital and I asked Ron to go and see him and Ron went to see him, Ron, you know, he was there, you know, I want to ask Christ into my heart. <laughs> so Ron phoned me up basically to go, yeah, I led him to the Lord. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> but, uh, but, but as I said before, you know, it's about taking people on that journey, it's support on life's journey. And as we go out as Christians, we might not see people's lives changed and them come to Christ. But if we help them take that one step towards that point of accepting Christ as Savior, we've done our part. Yes, just like your mission to be uh, assistance on their journey. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, Liam, thank you so much for being a guest today. How can our listeners connect with you outside of today's episode? Well, we, of course, have our own website, which is railwaymission.org. Um, 
we are, of course, a, a UK charity, um, but we have a, a weekly prayer email and anybody's welcome to sign up for that prayer email. Um, we have, you know, we are an unashamedly Christian organization in a secular network. So the more prayer we can get, the better. Mm. Um, but yes, we do have that. Um, and yeah, just search for um, in your own countries, you know, for Rail Hope, either Rail Hope America or Rail Hope, you know, Switzerland or, you know, Rail Hope wherever. Um, see what's out there. And if there isn't anything out there, why not start something? That's awesome. Well, uh, we'll encourage our listeners to check that out. Liam, thank you so much for being a guest today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Lovely to talk to you too. Yes. Well, Christian travelers, I hope that you have enjoyed today's episode and that you will go check out Rail Hope and Railway Mission and continue to pray for their ministries um, and encourage them. They do such an amazing job encouraging people in their dark areas of the world, uh, just like Liam said. So we encourage you to check that out. And if you're looking for other episodes that are related, I encourage you to check out episode 152, where Silas talked about traveling by rail and sharing your faith in episode 149 and 150, where we talked about some tips for traveling by Amtrak or Interrail. And uh, of course, if you're looking for other ways to connect with Christian Travelers, again, we always encourage you to check out our website, christiantravelers.net. Thank you so much for hitting that subscribe button, um, sharing this with a friend, or in leaving a review. Those are three great ways that you can encourage this ministry and, uh, and continue to bring on such amazing guests. So until next time, safe travels and God bless.